Welcome to The Gray Report. The hunt for Red October is on. This week on The Gray Report, if you're a multifamily investor, active, passive, somewhere in the middle, sit back, relax, pay attention. We've got a great show for you today, breaking down all the latest research reports, information, data involving anything in the multifamily industry, commercial real estate, real estate, and the macro economy. Some great pieces first. The Federal Reserve, they've got an Instagram account. Big news. What are they messaging and why? piece from the Mortgage Bankers Association, taking a little bit of a deeper dive into what are banks doing? How are they looking at it? What is the makeup of some of these loans? A piece from BizNow on the idea of these discounted payoffs. Is it going to fix things? Probably not. A piece from the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies. Home prices, interest rates, they are still rising if you had not heard. Carbon List has an excellent piece, as well as Business Insider. Going to stick around to have to catch all of those reports and analysis from the great capital team. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to The Great Report. Live from the great capital studios in uh, cloudy Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah. Joined again by Dr. Matt Bosnoggle, head researcher, director of communications and marketing at Great Capital. Matt, okay, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, it, I, you know, and explaining this over over the past you know day or so that uh, gathering, it's been a little more tense this week. Um, Feel tensions rising. Yeah, I think in real estate market are, things are getting cooler. Why? Would, uh, why? Uh, I don't know. Is there a reason? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, you know, you can feel. You can feel the season changing. Mm. Um, it yeah. is th- this is getting a pathetic drier. fallacy at its finest. Really, the air is is the air is changing. That people are talking about things that they weren't talking about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're and and people are start are starting to think, what is twenty twenty four going to be like, and is it going to be any and and if it and if it is anything like twenty twenty three, then that's a problem. Yeah. Well, the winter has been long, Matt. Um, while yeah. it was sunny just a couple of days ago, it has yeah. felt like a winter for commercial real estate and, you know, most parts of the economy over the last year. I remember, I think last October, um, we were talking about multifamily winter, you know, mm-hmm. rents declining, things slowing down yeah. for a whole year after that. And it, 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 it doesn't feel like, you know, we're in March. It truly feels like, you know, mm-hmm. we're in October once again. Um, it's and- good. It's it's good of you to mention that too, because even on the rent growth side, mm. it is very similar yeah. to last year, it, it, if not perhaps a little bit worse. So the escape of Groundhog Day, I think, is the ambition for yeah. all yeah. all of us. <laughs> um, and it, it's you know not to get too much on the inside baseball, but it's certainly um, you know for us at Great Capital, it, mm-hmm. it, it gets us to try to think differently. And you know what can we do? And, and yeah. Um, for me, you know, at asking the question myself and for the team of, okay, you know, what we've been doing the last year, how well has it been working in terms of, you know, finding deals, you know, our strategy just from a, um, you know, multifamily acquisition standpoint, just from our own internal businesses and our operating companies, um, you know, w- what can we do something different? Yeah. Um, is there a new way? Is there a different way to transact? Because obviously what we were doing, you know, a couple of years ago isn't even an option. You know, yeah. the types of leverage, the types of deals. Um, the market looks different. Um, we're, we're looking at some really, um, not necessarily you know novel strategies, but just 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 executions that you know we never really would have considered 
uh, months ago, certainly not, you know, years ago. I mean, we're, we're looking at doing all cash deals possibly, mm-hmm. you know, not, not, um, we're, we're leaving that door open, which is most people never consider, but usually, you know, leverage is key to real estate. Um, but the financing leverage is what's screwing up real estate right now. Yeah. And if we can buy some great deals at some great basis, because that's what we're starting to see. Mm-hmm. But Matt, I mean, if, if you put a gun to my head, we still have another probably 10, 15% of value declines yeah. still to go based on everything that I'm seeing. Um, and, and man, if rates stay high, which is certainly the consensus is, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what is long, longer, you know, some in my, my long is years. Some people, when they say longer, it's like months. Yeah. For me, it's years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that changes a lot of, um, right. you know, we talked about earlier transactions are the lifeblood of real estate, mm-hmm. you know, from an operating revenue standpoint, you know, brokers are not doing deals and not bringing in money. Syndicators, if they're not doing deal, they're not bringing in money. Major, major firms, it, they're operating paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. On deals, paycheck to paycheck to pay payroll. Mm-hmm. A lot of these firms sold a lot of deals. They've got money in the bank. Um, they've got reserves. Some have been more proactive than others, but it is. Um, it's going to be challenging out there, and it's it's a war of attrition. Mm-hmm. The longer it goes on, the more potential pain. I'd like to return to this, or if you want to, if you want to keep talking about this before we cover the next. No, thing, we'll talk about it later. Man, has that been on my mind? Yeah, <laughs> you you started talking about, it and I was like, okay, good, because I have got a wellspring of well, of thoughts. Yeah, about this yeah, issue. no, let's talk about it later. But but first, Matt. Yeah. Major um, social media news. Um, yeah, some happy uh, news. Some ha- <laughs> some happy news. Some 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 fun uh, fun things. Yeah. Uh, the Federal Reserve, um, in, in a major step, of only five posts has joined um, Instagram. Matt, um, it just it, it's it's interesting. Um, Jerome Powell coming out um, and saying, you know, hey, he's, he's the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, and they've got an Instagram account. They're going to be giving us updates. Um, man, you know, from a Fed that back in the day, you know, would never communicate about anything. Um, they're really seeing, as we've said multiple times, Matt, you know, their ability to communicate to the public, to markets yep. as, you know, really primary function, uh, a tool for monetary policy. <laughs> I was just going to say, you took the words right out of my notes again. Sorry. No, no. For no notes. Oh, well, no, I, I hand wrote these. I hand wrote these notes. <laughs> doesn't count. Doesn't count. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But Matt, why do they need an Instagram account? What do they need? Why are they communicating? You totally hit, you, you hit it on the head. Um, it is their role. Yeah, sure. They can do actions, but they also have to communicate those actions. And in part of the action themselves is like the kind of persuading that they need to do that, for instance, they're serious about rate hikes. Or what I like to think in this uh, Instagram is that they are flesh and blood human beings um, open to all the weaknesses and biases that any human being, mortal or, or be otherwise. You know, I actually think, man, on the... Uh... A lot of the comments, you know, this is uh, all in jest, but a lot of people didn't think it was necessarily even real. They were thinking that it looked like a deep fake or yeah. uh, an AI. And I think that's just in, in jest and, and on theme with what people are talking about these days. But, it, do, uh, it is interesting how he, he doesn't really, there's no movement. So it might be, it could be AI. You know, they're, they're, it's not a complicated shot. We can't that get making. the chair. We can't, we can't, we can't be kind for him. Can we just do one of those deep fake things? I mean, they can, they can. He'll sign off on it. He yeah. just doesn't have the time. I mean, they've got the money. They've got the ability to print money, unlimited amount of money through, you know, press of a button, yeah. you know, type the numbers on the spreadsheet. You know, they, they can probably find the, the, the budget for uh, yeah. some, you know, some deep fakes. 
So, but Matt, though, yeah. the question is, you know, again, this is going down the conspiracy mm -hmm. conspiracy theory uh, rabbit hole a little bit, um, and for fun. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, is there some anticipation um, that the Federal Reserve is going to need to communicate with the public via Instagram? They say it's because October is Financial mm -hmm. uh, Literacy Month, Financial uh, Financial Education, Personal Finance Month. What do we learn about finances? You know, my first thought was that they are kind of anticipating backlash due to like a future uh, decision or something that they see around the corner that they're going to blame them for. Um, but but then I, I was thinking like, well, but this kind of puts a little bit more of a target on their back because if if more people know what Jerome Powell looks like or, you know, or, you know, he's kind of spreading his message and they're, and they're like, oh, yeah, I was thinking about the Federal Reserve. I don't like the way they're handling the economy. You know, if it's putting them top of mind and things are going wrong, then that's uh, then things could backfire if they're trying to use this to, to soften their image. I, I I think that more practically, it's probably, you know, just a communications tool. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But there's got to be like, there's got to be a reason why they're doing this. I mean, I'm sure at some point somebody said it's like, why don't we have an Instagram yeah, yeah. account? It's easy. You know, it's like anybody can open an Instagram account. So it's like, maybe it's just like a might as well. Like yeah. they probably didn't have a website for a while. And someone they were it's like, why don't we have a website? Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly, it, you know, if what is education, but you know bringing the information to new groups of people that don't already know it. And, and there's probably a way bigger pool of people that don't know what the Fed's all about on Instagram than there is on like LinkedIn or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's a little bit of speculation. I, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. No, I, I don't see it. I don't see it as a bad thing. And it, it, it's just more of a, it's, it's a funny thing. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a funny, it's a, it's a curious thing. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it, it's, uh, it, it gets you asking questions Yeah, and, um, it's, it's more more stuff and messages that we can pour over his, his minute facial expressions. Well, exactly. Exactly. It's like, you know, not just another way to, to read the tea leaves. Mm -hmm. What is uh, the federal reserve Instagram posting? Like it has any connection to, you know, yeah. FOMC. Hopefully but, they do like the. You know, today is National Secretary's Day or, you know, all those all those Hallmark holidays and stuff that they can kind of track those with some daily Federal Reserve posts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, like bring your like pet like dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The office day and, you know. <laughs> they, they, have, they have pictures of everyone in the staff over their computers. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be good. OK, Matt, let's get into something a little more serious. Could discounted loan payoffs be what finally restarts the CRE debt market? Matt, you're gonna have to explain this one. What is a discounted loan payoff, and why could it restart the CRE debt yeah. market? Wow. Um, so what? you know, as I was kind of going over this stuff with you, and um, this is this really sets the tone for what I've been thinking about this past week. Um, a lot, a, a little bit of what you were talking about before when when you were talking about um, what what syndicators and brokers and, and just the low apartment sales volume mm -hmm. as such a key yeah. story of of this year. Um, but this is my thoughts of like, well, what's the way out? Um, I almost titled the newsletter this week, like, when is multifamily going to make sense again? Yeah. And who's going to help make it make sense? And one, one per one group of people are the lenders who, if they, and, and I feel a little bit, I, I, this isn't sadistic, but it's like, I am hoping that the lenders are strict. I'm hoping that they don't let. The people that are have bad loans now again this seems callous but I'm hoping that they they don't give them a freebie and and instead their way out is not going to be through negotiating with banks for for uh, accommodations it's going to be through selling their property um, at a lower price than they already would 
So there is a release valve out there for these people, and it doesn't have to be the banks. And there are plenty of buyers out there willing to make that purchase. But is that the, if they sell though, while that is an exit, yeah, it can be a painful one. And yeah. you know, if the bank is, you know, it if they're willing to at least work with them or delay, you know, just that avoidance of pain. And and if if they know there's going to be pain, if they can kick the can down the road a little bit again, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's going to be this hope out there for a long period of time that if we just wait a little bit longer, maybe rates will come down a little bit longer. I was just going to say that you were, you were talking about hope and how, you know, hope has, hope can be a month long, a week long or a year long thing. And, um, and some of the other reports that we're going to, well, the apartment list report will illustrate how, you know, if you're looking for cash flow, um, the apartment rents are, are going to be pretty low for this for this winter, so you're going to have to keep hoping for a, for a lot longer. And during that time of hoping, it, that might feel good, but it, but uh, you're going to be losing money, and uh, and that's and it's got to hurt. And this pain is, you know, and I keep going back to the the seasonal <laughs> the seasonal uh, metaphor, but you know how it always seems like it's summer, it's summer, it's summer, and then one night it like it's like freezing and and that's what it's going to be like and, you know it says in this in this business article you know still extending still pretending there hasn't been a crisis point that is going to kind of snap people out of it and I, and I was talking to you just before this and said you know is recession is is recession what's needed to snap everything out of it um you know i think that compared to like a few months ago I think recession seems to be a little more likely. It seems like things are fluctuating in a, a little bit differently. But, but back to this article. I, I, this is all an aside. Uh, I've been thinking about this issue a lot. As you can see, um, but banks, these discounted payoffs are essentially when uh, lenders are allowing borrowers to pay off less for their loan, and then they market. All right, you're good. Um, than than it is before. It is it, it it's it's a very simple thing um, that functions so just like set like settling an amount of the debt. Like I yeah. mean, maybe yeah. people are familiar with this. Like uh, if you got like a, like a debt collector, it's calling you, and they're like, you have this medical bill, and you mm-hmm. can like negotiate that down. You yeah, know, and, and a fraction. To me, I understand it a little bit. Yeah, to me, I understand it. It's like a risk. It's like a risk mitigation strategy over like, I could maybe not pay you over a longer yeah, yeah, period of exactly. time. Or Let's I can pay you guarantee, yeah, yeah. 80% or 90%, but you're going to get paid yeah. and you don't have to deal with the time. You don't have to deal with it. Yeah. It's, I'm sure they have to deal with it, but it's not as extended and drawn out. Yeah. And you have to be in special servicing. And, mm-hmm. um, but I imagine though, if you're a borrower that does that, um, you're not going to be on like top of the list for banks to lend to in the future. Yeah, there is. So that was one of the uh, refreshing comments from from some of the sources cited in this the article was that you know our frustration right now at at borrowers or owners operators for living in two thousand twenty twenty one and thinking that they can get low rates or thinking that they can get high prices is shared amongst I think uh, plenty of bankers. Mm-hmm. You know that the those these same people that are like. Well, yeah. Why well, can't I just sell for what I, for for twenty twenty one prices? Those people that that we are seeing in the sales market, they're going to their banks like, well, why can't I just get a low rate? Yeah. And it's like that's not it. Yeah. You can't live in the so they are hoping for the. They are almost delusional, it seems like, and uh, and again, I'm I'm letting my uh, my frustration bleed through here a little bit, but um, but fortunately, as this as this article points out, 
these discounted payoffs are a long way away. Banks have to be in a little bit more trouble where they're just like, okay, yeah, yeah, give us the money. Yeah, they're not they're not there yet, but it, it's it's good to put it on again, like put it on the mm-hmm. board, put it on the wall of like you know that that's an option that yeah. could happen, and we could be seeing that um, at some point in the future. Yeah, and and the way that they frame it is that banks are are likely, especially at this point, they're unwilling to take the losses that discounted payoffs yeah. require it marks yeah. it's a mark against them so it's not as if like it's a yeah. any in any way a win for the bank there's an no. inherent disincentive that i think kind of counterbalances that that uh incentive of like well i want to there, there's a lot of now. there's a lot of like the best bad choice yeah that, you know there's not in, in a lot of situations today that i'm seeing that there's it's, if it's requiring a transaction there's not a mm-hmm. a lot of outcomes that are like ooh. You know, like we're gonna look really great in this yeah. scenario. It's it's like what's the least amount of pain? It's mm-hmm. Like there's not gonna be pleasure. Pleasure's not involved in the conversation. This, yeah. You know, it's what what is the least amount of pain? Pain that stops bleeding. Yeah. I well, and I keep thinking of that. What was that phrase? Like if if you owe the bank a thousand dollars, it's your problem. But if you owe them a hundred million dollars, it's the bank's problem. Yeah. And yeah. some, of, I think it's a little squishy in between. Yeah. And and from the comments on the article. It's like uh, they're like borrowers are acting like they're in the driver's seat. And I don't think, and I personally, that wasn't the arc. I personally don't think that can last for very long yeah. um, because it's there again. Like I said, like there is other, there are options for borrowers just as well as there's option for, for banks. But yeah. And, um, and some of those options um, again are, are options and then it may be less painful than, you know, handing of the keys back, yeah. but, you know, a lot of the rescue capital preferred equity. Um, you know, again, it's a, it's a lifeboat, mm-hmm. but it's like, you have to abandon like ship, like the investment and like, yeah, you'll, you'll maybe survive and live and maybe not lose all your money. Maybe you'll break even. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's, there's no, you know, the, the idea of that, you know, 15 IRR and two X, you know, with, if you start recapitalizing that way, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're often really chipping your returns. Um, you know, by a fraction. And so it's like, you know, that's, it's, it's going to the bottom of the ocean and you're just on the lifeboat hoping to get to shore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I, and this kind of plays into the, to our next source that we're going to cover. I, I keep thinking about the frame of mind of banks and uh, do things have to go very poorly in order for them to give concessions? That doesn't make sense to me because if things are going poorly, they're going to want, they're going to want their money as they could always just say, hey, we're going to foreclose on you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they don't want to. They don't want to manage a bunch of real estate. But yeah. like, that is that is an option. Mm-hmm. And that's the and, and that was the other point, too, is that, you know, a lot of them aren't set up to to operate these assets in yeah. any in any degree. And, you know, I wonder what the what the trailing effects of this is going to be if if banks are are, are going to be overloaded ju- by with multifamily assets that they, they that they don't they really could, want they could be and and, and 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 it's operators like great capital where mm-hmm. we're hoping that um and we're doing the groundwork to get the call uh from yeah. a bank saying you guys want this you guys want it we've got a great deal but you know it needs to be taken off our books yeah want to buy it accents on the dollar mm-hmm. maybe wishful thinking on on my part yeah but, uh it and and we can see the scale of this it, it is there are you know there are a lot of loans that are out there and not all not everyone's gonna f- find a way out and you know i couldn't find an article about this but it is the other thing that i've been thinking of is yeah so maybe borrowers that with loans coming to you, that could provide relief they'll sell for less but yeah. what if you know new builders uh, or 
you know, you're putting more product into the market. How much is that going to affect the prices? And interest rates have just squeezed the nozzle. So there's no, there's just a trickle of, of new deals and, and it's, there's not enough information out there and it's so difficult to see what's going to have an effect right now. People are getting more desperate. Yeah. I'm just going to, just in the last week, um, we're getting calls, texts from brokers and owners Mm -hmm. and being like, can you put in an offer? Can you, can you please look at this? Yeah. Like, what's the number? We're not, we're not the way, we're not there yet, but we're definitely getting some desperation. Jay received a text message today. I mean, the quote was, it got very well in the industry, mm-hmm. seen a lot of deals and it's, it's a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I was, you know, another thing that informed my thinking, it was, it, it was Addison who was talking, talking to a broker too, and was like, listen, we don't know. And they were sharing what you, what you said earlier is like, these transactions are keeping the lights on for people and now there's none of them. Um, and is, is 2024 going to be exactly the same as 2023? That's, that's yeah. And we hope not, but it could be. And, and that's the long winter of war of attrition that, that, that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And and you take, you know, you're talking about low maturities a lot. Take the low maturities thing out. Just, let's just say that like, it's just, it's this winter, the slog, Mm -hmm. nothing can happen. Deals don't get done. The transaction volumes are lower. Um, yeah, it, it's the, it's the, um, it's an ex, it's an existential threat to yeah. most operating real estate businesses yeah. because most operate, um, at a loss, um, from like, uh, from operating revenue, mm-hmm. it's transaction fees that keep the lights on in a, yeah. in a big, big way. If you have no recurring revenue. So, it, so for every group, every group mm-hmm. that uses third-party property management that contracts out, mm-hmm. where's their money coming from? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of an asset management fee mm-hmm. that doesn't that that use third doesn't keep all the lights on. Third, proper, third party property management and their rent's going to the investors. In, in most companies, they have even in-house property management are operating at a loss. Yeah. It's fine. It, it, it's a, you know, it, it's, it's fine if you're doing multiple deals a year and you're mm-hmm. selling deals and you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars on acquisition fees. You're making a million dollars and you sell a property. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, 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 when the market is going up or at least you're able to, it doesn't have to be hot, but just if it's, if it's working, yeah. that it, it is, it works and sustainable until all of a sudden the market turns off Yeah, and it's not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and so, I mean, it's something that we've been focused on for a long time. You know, how do we butt, batten down the hatches, you know, yeah. build up the reserves, add recurring revenue. So we're in a really good spot so it, we can make payroll and literally keep the lights on. Yeah. But, um, the, it, it's, it's. If the whole industry is thinking about all these brokerage firms. Think about the brokers; they're they're living on. Oh yeah, commission. yeah. That's the first. That's the first one I think of. And then, but I think you make good, a good point. And like syndicators, that rent, that rent going to investors. It's not going into into largely the the syndicators' no, operations. Sure, hopefully, yeah. And there will probably there are some bad actors will probably be sh- you know showing their their, their true colors here mm-hmm. in, in desperation. I think there's a lot of skinny deals that are. Deals that should never have been done, but people are probably convincing people to yeah. do just to get another couple of fees or not. Um, but yeah, it's if you've got to, how else are going to keep the lights on? Yeah. And um, it's a whole lot easier to hope for the best than planning for the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, the, the, the timer's going to run out. And, and that's at least that's my hope. And maybe that's misguided <laughs> is that uh, is that eventually people will get real. And, uh, I don't, I don't hope for the, um, you know, the demise or anyone getting out of the business because yeah. I, I love the industry and there's so many awesome people in it. 
Um, there's been a surge of syndicators and new entrants you know, to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and years ago we were, we were included as a newer entry in, into mm-hmm. the syndication world and we had we've had more years to season, you know, but, um, and we were able to do a lot of great things in between then and now. Um, but you know, a little bit of calling of the herd, you know, it was too easy yeah. of a market just to do any deal mm-hmm. and cap rates compress and it goes up in value. Um, we need a little bit of competition. We need a little yeah. market reset. Um, and I think the strongest are going to survive. And I think that we're trying to make the right moves right now so we can get to the other end, live to fight another day, mm-hmm. but also, you know, sharpening the ax and, you know, loading, you know, loading the magazines and, you know, building the trenches. Yeah. So well, the trenches have been dug mm-hmm. and, you know, so when the time's right, we have all the resources um, necessary and we're still sharp. The har- hardest part for us is the, you know, the atrophy on, on deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we've gone through multiple recently kind of like dry runs of like, yeah, dr- yeah. Al- almost like drills of like, let's get ready to go. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we're not sure if we're gonna get this deal, but like, let's pretend like we are. So we got to be sharp. You know, we oh, yeah. it's get game time. We can't, we can't be, you know, caught flat footed. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to deal for another couple of months. Maybe we'll get a, a deal in two weeks. Yeah. I, don't know. I still, I still, that again, to bring up like builders. So, so maybe loans aren't it, but, but we have built and there are a million, you know, a million units under construction right now. Yeah. Those are going to enter the market. I don't think that all of those builders, I, I would say most of those builders don't want to be in the business of operating. They want to get onto the next thing that they're building. And at the very, you know, practically they can't operate all of those probably yeah. unless, unless we see every single builder in America become a multifamily operator. I ain't going to happen. So what's going to happen yeah. then is they're going to try to sell it. And as those accumulate, then that may have an effect on prices as well. They're gonna, the developers are gonna have to sell their and lease up. Yeah, with with soft rents, mm-hmm. their, their carrying costs, with their interest rates, their debt service payments mm-hmm. way more than they thought. Mm-hmm. It's taking longer. They're giving concessions. They're leasing up with rents way lower than they proformed. So they're, they're in a race against time. It's gonna be a big opportunity. And, and um, I think that's a good place, Matt, um, to hear word from our sponsor. Oh, all right, great. This episode is of The Great Report is sponsored by Great Capital. Are you a developer of large multifamily assets and you are on a construction or bridge loan, underwater, debt service payments mounting? You've built a great asset at no fault of your own because of the excess spending of the U.S. federal government and actions taken by the Federal Reserve. You find yourself in a, between a rock and a hard place. But rest assured, Great Capital is here to save the day. If you're interested in a quick close, close in as early as 30 days, all potentially all cash offers, any asset size 25 million to 100 million total capitalization. Click the link below if you would like a quick free quote for us to take that asset off of your hand. Again, 25 to 100 million dollar total capitalization. Close in as soon as 30 days. Get in touch with Great Capital at greatcapitalllc.com or click the link below. So Matt, as we were saying, let's get into this uh, Mortgage Bankers Association piece um, because I think that it talks a lot about kind of the mindset of the lending industry. Yeah. And uh, from their perspective, now this is going back to the second quarter, but mm-hmm. a lot of it's still um, applicable for today. Yeah. So some of the some of the stuff's a little old too. They have uh they have their interest rate projection at 
3.875 for the 10 year for no not for the 10 year for the fed funds for rate. the fed funds we're at 3.75 3.875 about at the end of 2024 well that's that's just as i mean like i love these little time capsules i know you know because, because everyone we don't know no one knows now it, it would be interesting Wrong. now uh, the and and they also have um unemployment at uh 4.6 and zero uh, for 2024 and 0.3 for the GDP for that year. So they may be, you know, a forecast. They thought there was going to be a recession. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it, a, which a lot of people did. So the, you know, like no, no, no judging there. I, th- I, I still am thinking about recession in, and there was at least one article this, uh, this past week that talked about how the discussions of recession are starting to bubble up again. And, you know, we're talking about how, uh, how bad things are in for multifamily uh, operators and investors and all, and, you know, just across the board, you name it. I'm sure other industries have their own form of stress that these high interest rates are, are being. Yeah. It, and it's in very analogous, yeah. I'd say, you know, not that, yeah, very analogous. Yeah. And so, um, in that way, you know, the fed, these are, these are the long and lagging and, you know, the long and variable lags are also driven by uh, a little bit of a denial that, <laughs> You know, well, wait, no, no, things are going to be okay. Things are going to be okay. And so he has to get a, make an Instagram to remind us that no, we're serious. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, it's you know, hoping on statistics, which, yeah, you know, sometimes. But to, to return to the report itself, it doesn't yeah. really throw a whole bunch of curveballs that we didn't already know about the multifamily market, but it does include some numbers that clarify the current state of things when it comes to multifamily lending. Um, it's a cutie report again, um, but it does... It does show you, even though it's like a calm before the storm kind of thing, man, it, it, it shows multifamily loan originations down 51%. Um, you also see the breakdown of different lender types, but um, but I just thought that, you know, as as one data point, this, uh, this decrease of 51% year over year um, it is telling, and I think it says a lot about multifamily sales. Um, specifically, you can look at it. So page 25 shows graphs on multifamily permits, starts, and completions like we were describing. And it shows how starts have outpaced completions for the past few years in a way that I think stands out um, from the typical uh, from the p- typical progression. And I was mapping this uh, alongside like interest rates and recession periods. And this is not necessarily like predictive of recession um, the way that these permits and starts are. It, it, it more is a, um, a product of the low interest rates at that time. And, um, and you can see at the end of this graph how the past quarter, so they only have kind of one quarter of data, how starts have just plummeted. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I thought that was, you know, it's, it's almost invisible, but it's right there at the end yeah and in that man graph in yeah so um either anyways you can see how that's fallen off and i i would i'm wondering if q3 is going to be even worse um but that's that's just kind of conjecture i mean look at these ego numbers month over month i mean it's it's i mean starting in december of 22 uh negative 24 percent january 9 mm-hmm. 16 negative 12 negative 5 15 negative 16 negative 4 negative 26 yeah it's really it starts the, yeah. the permits you know, tell a similar story more or less. Yeah. And I can't, and, and I'd like to know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what it typically is in the, in the winter months. Um, if, if it's anything like, you know, previous years were do starts and permits, mm-hmm. uh, lower, you know, in the winter compared to the summer and spring. 
Um, but another an, another piece of information is on page 43 of this report. It talks about the different types of mortgage holders. Yeah. And that was helpful for me to get a picture of, all right, well, if we're measuring CMBS loans or CMBS loan maturities, how much, you know, how much does that reflect the um they're all about algebra yeah well my my question was we we have a report out that yeah because it'd be about you know eight million so like four billion multifamily loans are coming due this month another mm -hmm. four plus or minus so if four billion equals 12.9 percent of um the market the originations yeah yeah this is uh this is second quarter twenty twenty three though not necessarily twenty twenty one yeah it can be different yeah but so it so if it's the same makeup let's say let's push it down to twelve and a half because then I could say it's one eighth <laughs> or, or or ten let's even just make it ten percent yeah yeah ten percent so times ten yeah so that's eighty so that's four forty billion forty billion a month yeah yeah so there's a lot I don't my my question is. So life insurance companies, are they issuing the same kinds of loans with the same kinds of maturities as, uh, no. as CMBS? So CMBS, is that, is, is that primarily those shorter term bridge loans and floating rate loans um, fall in that? But most of them, most, they, I think that they, they, they can be, mm -hmm. you know, floating rate. A lot of the CLO is more of the bridge loan from my understanding. Okay. Okay. But yeah. And, and my other question is the, the banks and thrifts. Yeah. That, that was my big question. So the banks On and thrifts list. are the or largest others, banks, thrifts, and others would most likely be the okay. bridge loans and the debt funds. Okay. And so commercial, these commercial banks, um, and call them thrifts, even though I think thrift is just a bank that doesn't have loans. So I don't know why they put that in and either way. I'm quibbling. 38% is banks and thrifts, uh, a clear plurality, not a majority, but um, I want to know. Yeah, I'm wondering. Did they do they do floating rates? Who uh, the bank, the banks and thrifts? Sure. And and most, you know, we don't have data on it, that. Most of it's floating. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. It's really most. Well, it's the agencies that are, that are really most of the fixed rate and some of the life co stuff. But a lot. Of, it's mostly very interesting. That fixed rate. And if you scroll down, like it, you can part. see how this makeup has changed throughout the years and how. Um, Specifically, CBS seems to have uh, fallen off considerably. Now, I'm going right. to make just realize I wasn't showing everybody this uh, fancy chart. Man. All right, so there's this um, there's this other chart on in the report where it shows the makeup of these loans at any given moment. So, how many? What was the proportion of CMBS loans to uh, to bank and thrift? And and you can see how. To put it short, how the CMBS volume of loans fell after the great financial crisis, yep. while the bank and thrift portion has risen the most out of any other one. Yeah. Um, I think the agency one is like a linear, it, it's as linear as you can get. <laughs> yeah, but real, you can see, I mean, agencies really started picking up. Yeah, it has ticked up. Um, you know, especially after two, you know, 2007, 2008, so much of mm -hmm. the distress um, in the commercial space. Um, was all tied to CMBS products. See, I was surprised. I thought that agency would take up a larger percentage because that's kind of what I'm familiar with and what we kind of look for these longer term and agencies and as such an attractive product. Um, well, but if, if we're just like talking about, but this is not just for multifamily. This is to all commercial real estate and multifamily. Yeah. And so in that context, it makes more sense because the life insurance, I, I, I'm a little surprised that life insurance is, is so high 
high and above. Is that the line that I'm looking at? The highest one is that bank and thrift. The, se- the second lowest line is life insurance, and the oh, lowest, the lowest is, line is CBS. Is bank and thrift. That makes sense. Yeah, they're just gadget. Okay, yeah, that 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 okay, makes a, okay. that makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, bank loans because most commercial commercial real estate. I mean, commercial real estate prior to you know 2006 2007, it, it was so much. It was like all CMBS, hmm. and then CMBS kind of. I mean, obviously, it hasn't didn't go away completely, but yeah. it became very unattractive. It, it's it's the most it's one of the most cumbersome, um, you know, types of financing you can get. Um, it, sometimes they can just turn it off. You know, didn't in COVID, they just CMS market just stopped. They just turned it off in, in entirely. Yeah, and so that it was immediate shift. Do banks came in saying, oh, okay, well, we'll lend on office buildings, we'll loan on retail. Mm-hmm. Now the agencies, um, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and you know, bringing in, in, in HUD as well. You know, they, they not they they were around, but they became much more attractive. Multifamily yeah. and agency financing has been the most popular financing in multifamily. But um, you know, bank lending still popular. You know, in bridge bank bridge loans are included in bank financing typically, and then also the rise of you know debt funds um, and you know uh, lender not a lot of non bank lenders. Spencer, you were right again. <laughs> now, this is just for Q1 and Q2 of 2023, but it does show agencies as the number one oh, yeah. lender of the multifamily market. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, because I mean, it, it, they got you know, That's they a government-backed yeah. guarantee. Yeah. I mean, it's basically government, U.S. Bet insured, the, the rates are lowered. So if you want fixed rate, it's one really, well, not the only place that they can give you a fixed rate, but mm-hmm. typically it's not. Um, and it's relatively commoditized in, in investors um, who are buying the bonds. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're still securitized. Uh, I mean, these big K loans, uh, it, investors love it, you know, sp- especially in a pre-COVID um, environment or in when interest rates were lower because you can get some good yield. And it was perceived as, you know, getting a much better um, you're getting a little bit of premium, mm-hmm. um, uh, not taking a whole lot of risk because, you know, the default rates for multifamily are, you know, so low, less than one, you know, way less than 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a, uh, which this leads to, you know, potential other systemic issues of all these institutions that have been loading up on um, commercial real estate debt um, and that, you know, the mark to market on a lot of those, um, you know, bonds aren't nearly as good if you look at it you know, today. The, the value yeah. of those loans today are, are underwater. Same thing with U.S. Treasuries. So the value of like a Fannie Mae loan that inve- an investor can get a yeah. piece of, yeah. that is worth less now than it used to be yeah. because of the interest rate shift. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yields up price down. So, okay. you know, the yields up for a new loan. If I go out today and I'm an investor and it, it's a double whammy. So if I'm an investor, I go out, I want to buy... Um, I want to go out and you know buy yeah. some mortgage-backed securities. Look, um, and just to, I, I just had that line graph up that showed what just what you described how the agency picked picked up the pace from yeah. CNBS as well. If if you're an investor, I want to go out there today, and you know the yields are seven and a half percent, you know, overnight. But I took out a uh, you know I bought a bond in 2020 or 21 or 2019 that was mm-hmm. yielding. Four, three percent, four percent. You know that's a big difference. Wow, oh, it's you like know, the the SBB kind of thing. 
or the was it yeah. signature bank? Yeah, oh. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, so if you hold a bond to maturity, mm-hmm. you, know, you just get your yield and it's fine. Yeah. You, don't, you don't lose money. But if you want to sell that bond beforehand, yeah. you know, there's there's a you know a, a like a net present value of those future cash flows relative to yeah. the, the prevailing interest rate. That it's all good as today. long as no one asks for the money. It, 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 exactly, or if you if yeah if you don't have to sell it. Yeah. But so not only it, as the price has gone down because of what rates you can get today. The demand has gone down also because there's other places where you can get yield. I can go into a treasury bond and yeah. get a super solid, you know, return. I don't need an extra, you know, basis point or two. Maybe I want it. Mm-hmm. But so that demand for mortgage-backed securities has decreased. Um, and so the value is down. So it's just like the inherent, you know, net present value has decreased as well as just the demand for the product. And that's one of the reasons that, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Guinea May investors, Guinea May bonds are the you know, government insured bonds that um, you know, like HUD loans. Um, you, when you take out a, a HUD loan, um, they're they're packaged and they they use Guinea, kind of Guinea May. It's kind okay. of their Fannie Mae equivalent, and these Guinea May bonds that these bond investors buy, you know, big institutions, pension funds, whatever, banks, insurance, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that there hasn't been that much demand for um, for these for Guinea May bonds, you know, because you're not getting the yields, you're not being as attractive. It used to be that on a HUD loan, again, backed by these Guinea Mae bonds, mm-hmm. you get a lower interest rate than if you went with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, um, just because it, it, was, it was just the way it was structured. Yeah. Um, it was perceived to be even lower risk. There's just no demand for that. Well, so the interest I, rates are I, higher. I, I, you know, I wrote the, writing the these rates for for the last week, yesterday, yeah. this morning's newsletter, really. Uh, and the HUD loans, I think they're more than... More than yeah. Fannie and yeah. Freddie. Yeah, which never used to be the case. Yeah. Um, and you can sign up for our newsletter, by the way. Link, right. link below in the description, greatcapitalllc.com slash newsletter. You can see how I am getting use out of it, even personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody. Right. Um, you know, Matt, it, it's in, speaking of the newsletter, and again, the link below in the description, it is like, it is so, it's so cool to see, like, I see people like, you know, imitating mm-hmm. the newsletter, like time and time again, yeah. like, and, um, it, it's it's cool to see. I mean, it's it's because like ours is it's still the Gurfort's still the best newsletter. Oh yeah. Um, but um, people have caught on. I think there's a uh, you know demand for this type of information. Mm-hmm. You know what we're doing, what what you're doing. I feel like, I feel like a proud father. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's good stuff in, in, in having these conversations. Yeah. So Matt, anything else on this um associ- this piece from the Mortgage Bankers Association? You want to not on? not necessarily. I just wanted to show Jesus. what the what the makeup of these lenders are and. And it can kind of give you an idea of what to expect if you know that, okay, a lot of these loans are locked up in longer term, but there is a sizable portion that are shorter term. And I think that those shorter term are going to be vulnerable, Um, even if maybe it's only 40% rather than 60% of the loans that are out there. um, there, it's, It's, I don't think that everyone is in the multifamily lending market is insulated from the dramatic shifts and and i know i'm repeating myself but when i'm talking about like false hope and stuff but i think there is a whole lot of motivated communication that um that there is no reason at all for them to admit that there's going to be a problem until the very last moment because like what good what good would it do so yeah we're we're we may not know about this until you know until that that horrible phone call starts the only way that someone's going to find out about it as if they're subscribed to the group. Oh, no. well, yeah, that, well, yeah, 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 yeah. We so we're the first person to find out. They're gonna know when when they get that phone call from the creditor. That's like this is it. 
<laughs> and then and then that person, the next phone call is is to us, is to the great report where we report on it. We get, I think we get the first call. That's true, actually. <laughs> and, and there, we will be like, calling you. Did you see the latest episode? <laughs> that's great. That's funny. You no, know, so sometimes sometimes I hear Jerome Powell speak, and I'm like, I think he watched the the, the, the episode last month. Wait, you think he's speaking directly to you? No, no I didn't just listen. No. Oh man, I think you may be. Where it's just it, too much. Too much. Yeah. All right. Uh, Joint Center for Housing Studies, Harvard, um, always putting out really informative pieces from a different perspective than mm-hmm. a lot of the kind of the multifamily industry publications. Um, this um, was really short too. So. Right. Um, it, it really looks at, it's just a, it, honestly a reminder of what we've been talking about and covering, which is that um, in the single family world, uh, it's it's roughly the same kind of, I don't want to call it false hope, but uh, low sales volumes for sure. For sure. Um, and, and they're driven by this huge gap between the bid and the ask. Or, you know, what's unprofitable for investors is uh, it, it still doesn't make sense for buyers uh, of, of single family homes. And that, and because there's so little inventory and they're still getting bought up so much there, the payments that you're going to have to make, whether, you know, for mortgage are still creeping up, it's still getting more expensive because of the com- combined effect of high interest rates and home mortgage prices. rates past 8% yesterday. Yeah. I, that I was reading things about how that's like this, some magic threshold. And that was another thing um, that I was thinking about with this. And then the apartment list rent growth report and just this in general, it's like people are still thinking there's a lot of wallets <laughs> just that haven't gotten used to the, the price hikes of last year and the year before, like um, they don't, they don't forget that daily bur- or monthly burden that maybe uh, housing prices. And that was in, a, I'm sorry, that was specifically connected to this article on where a Biden economic advisor has said that uh, housing prices still remain a big uh, burden for people. And uh, yeah, just like I said, like they're not coming down and I, you know, I don't know what it's going to take. And the economic advisor didn't really know what it would take. Is It's like hard to fund affordable housing in this environment too, because of the interest rates. Hard to fund anything right yeah, now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because the yeah, government can't do it's it. hard to, it, it, that, and that's, and that I think is the biggest story yeah. that again, you know, I haven't quantified, but um, it, it's the same story for everybody. I mean, the whole world is, economy is built on debt yeah. and we've been addicted to zero low interest rates for mm-hmm. so long you know we're not even we're just in the first stages of withdrawal yeah and we have really like like gotten like gotten the shakes yet mm-hmm. um and it's yeah, it's not just real estate i mean real estate's a big part of that because it's, it's a big part of the economy and it's a leveraged part of the economy mm-hmm. but it's it's every business um it's most households yeah um fortunately households are on fixed rate debt for their primary mortgages for the most part but it's it's the government. It's yeah. the federal government. We're spending all this money. You know, we're financing all of it. Yeah, you know, our interest payments. You know, relative to GDP, and is it's it's insane. Oh yes, and um, it, it's gonna it has to impact what we can do mm-hmm. in future stimulus and and spending and 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 you know it's maybe it's maybe the, the restraint that we've needed. Yeah. Um. But and and you know not not it's worth mentioning that. There may be another rate hike on the on the horizon, or at least that's the you know that's the word on the street. If people are you know bracing for that, do you think that um, you know because on this topic, Matt, mm-hmm. ten year treasury, 
Yeah. Four point. What was what was it? Yeah, you did the the report. It was four point seven. So or maybe okay. This morning. Fact is, it it, it, it it's. I had the I had the graph it's, up. It's working its way to five percent. And you know we're wow. at four point seven one. Um, you know today, that is. I mean, again, we were at point four percent not too long. I mean, or back in um, the pandemic, and we're approaching five. So it's you know the, does the federal I mean the, does the Federal Reserve need to raise rates? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they certainly need to talk. They're going to talk about it mm-hmm. to make sure everyone knows that they're serious. I think people are taking them serious now. They're higher for longer. Yeah, but you know the market is taking you know care of a lot of it um, because you know like the I mean deals that were on the margins. You know when the ten year was three point eight not too long ago. Well, mm-hmm. that doesn't work anymore. Yeah, you know, you're at four point two. You know, a couple of weeks ago, well, no, we're at four point seven. It, it, yeah. The deals were. It's not like the deals had a lot of margin of error to begin with. Every every asset that was on this, I'm not talking about real estate again, mm-hmm. businesses, everything. It's yeah, the price of money. Yeah, it's the right we were paying. You're paying. You're paying you know, for time, and um, you know that that's just changed. Everything is like affected in, in relative to this. Yeah, and um, so. You know, it, it, in many, in some ways, it has just as big of an effect than it's the Federal Reserve moving the Fed funds rate. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, the work is being done for them, and the big question that everyone has is, what will break next? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and it it is increasingly seeming like something's got to break because uh because people aren't people will willingly live in a delusion, uh, rather than you know. Uh, rather than try to get ahead of any problem, like you could, you could tell someone, you know, take this. It, it, it's like preventative medicine. They're not going to take the preventative medicine. They're going to wait until something actually go, goes wrong until the crisis hits before yeah. before they'll swallow. Yeah, wait for wait, wait, wait for the heart attack. Yeah, you know, not take cholesterol medicine. Definitely not going to eat right. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 bring it to its natural conclusion. Yeah. Matt, apartment list has got a research report. Yeah, this uh, this really just um, it, it's a nice uh, kind of ending point and and uh, characterizes a lot of uh, a lot of what I've said before about about the multifamily market and really about kind of like the future and what um, and what might happen in the next coming months. The future now continued rent growth slide. Um, the, the future the future is now a little bit, but it's gonna get worse in the fu- it's gonna get worse and. Uh, and that's what people need to put this in mind is uh, it was a it was a cold winter last year. It's going to be another cold winter for rent growth uh, this year. Um, that should be a factor in how some operators and investors are thinking about the cash flow of their properties for the near future. Um, maybe it will dim some of that hope, um, but who knows? The rent drop uh, for this September was a little bit stronger in, in that in I mean worse than last year's 0.4. So uh, what I think is that we could see a similar fall in rents as we did in the winter of last year. Only this year, we're going to see negative year-over-year numbers as well as negative month-over-month numbers. Um, Fortunately, and there's a real page article that has similar information as this uh, apartment list article, the vacancy and the kind of general demand trends are looking um, are looking more positive, I think, than the rent growth trends themselves. We're about at pre-pandemic levels of vacancy, um, but we're not increasing. The vacancy is not increasing at the rate at, at that it used to, and it and it very much looks like it's plateauing or or maybe even going down. But that's you know, that's a case for the future. And 
I'm not, I'm not going to hope. <laughs> I, I do think though, um, especially supporting, supported by this real page article that showed, you know, robust apartment demand that um, there is, there is a, the fundamentals are, are strong, but we just, we've got so much new supply that we're dealing with. It is, uh, you know, it's a, another story of the huge increase in, in supply. And if you want, and if you want to know how big of a supply affected, you can look at the the top performing markets that are in this apartment list uh, report, and there are zero Sunbelt markets there. If we're looking for the over the past six months, the uh, the fastest metro level rent growth gains or, or what? Yeah, fastest metro level rent growth among the fifty one markets they cover. Uh, nary a Sunbelt market to be seen in the top 10 over the past six months. Well, that's over the past three years. That's the past three months. And you know, if you look at the past, if you look at the past year, there is no uh, Sunbelt market. We've got, um, I'll just look at the year one. Um, So the strongest multifamily markets of the past year is Hartford, Connecticut, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, Chicago, Illinois, Tucson. (laughs) Oh, I was wrong. It's it's uh, it's an exception that proves the rule. To Southwest. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's pretty sunny. It's quite sunny. (laughs) For for everyone everyone else, it's not Tucson. No, there's uh, Louisville, Kansas City, Providence, Boston, New York, Indianapolis. Uh, So I'll have to qualify that with... uh, it's it's dominated by non sunbelt markets and i think that the reason why is because developers came in and built a lot of apartments in those sunbelt markets um at least more so than they did in the northeast now i don't know what i i don't have the numbers up that can correlate how much you know supply or uh, how much new construction is relative to current supply for all these markets but um man it it sure fits the broad brush story that we you know that we were talking about for the past 3 years the developer, you know, high rent growth happens in the Sunbelt. Developers rush down there, build a bunch of apartments, and now there's lower rent growth down in the Sunbelt. That's the kind of Matt, we may be single handedly moving the month over month month rent growth in growth in Terre Haute. 30, 33.7% since March 20th. And then but month over month, 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 month 3.9 is incredible. Every year, 14.5. Yeah. Obviously, it's a. It's the uh, quality living arrangements that we offer, and uh, really well managed. Who wouldn't want to? Who wouldn't want to pay a little more to live at a great capital property? Exactly. But um, you know, the the upshot to all of this is is that I think that the longer term. So this is a, a again, it's a, it's a kind of a near term, long term um, situation where yeah. If your long term is is measured in months, then you're going to have a bad time. If your long term is measured in a couple of years or maybe even a year, then we'll get through yeah. this and um, and things will get get back to normal. Because for one, um, another big story is that they're not building new apartments. They're not starting to build. The starts are way down, like we saw in the Mortgage yeah. Makers Association. Starts are way down, so they're not good, they're not starting to build. And um, but. But in the meantime, we're going to see a lot of new apartments, and that's going to drive us down. You just have to wait it out. Yeah, it, it, it we're closer to the beginning than, yeah. than the end in, in many cases. Um, and uh, the light, we said light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, they, unless you have that two, unless you have that horizon that can fit fit within like years rather than months, then you could be in for a world of hurt. And then you'll be, and then what you'll do, your way out is going to come after. You know, uh, after a lot of suffering, when it could have just come, uh, you know, you could have just gotten solved your problem before the pain. Matt, the yield curve is um, reverting. 
I was noticing that. I was like, well, what does that what does that mean? That the the it is it does look like it is reverting, and I you know I'm not a follower of the yield curve. I don't. What do you mean you? I don't follow it enough because it's been inverted for so long that I'm like, well, what a, you know, what is there to see? <laughs> uh, but I I I am curious. You know, everyone says if the yield curve is inverted, it's just a matter of time till the next recession. Well, what is the common? And, and I'm sure that I can find a Barry Ritholtz article about this. What's the what is the average time period between inversion and recession? And it's 18, it's six to eighteen months. Okay, okay. And how and what could what would these guys make of the fact that it's been inverted for so long? I'm, looking for, I'm gonna show you on that chart. We all get used to it. It doesn't matter anymore. You. That's what I think. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you on the chart, man. <laughs> all right, all right. If it if it shows the recession. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because it's it's um. Yeah, I'll I'll let you I'll I'll let you Matt um, make your own assessment. Once yeah. it's been inverted, what happened? Oh wow, it's reverting, and then what happens? You know what the great you know what the shaded lines are? Yeah, those are yeah the recession. Okay, yeah. yeah, so it inverts. Do we have this up on the on the screen? No, I don't have that oh, sorry. screen. Matt, no, no one needs to see this. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, let's let's get this up on the screen for all the folks at home watching on YouTube. Um, make sure you subscribe to Great Capital YouTube channel. You're gonna get all those updates and more. Um, so Matt. Um, so you see here, I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to be like, let's just look at the charts, mm-hmm. but you have the inversion and then it reverts and yeah. then the recession, you have an inversion and it reverts. And then there's a recession, you have an inversion and then it reverts and you have a recession. So the reversion happens. Oftentimes it's because recession. something in the economy has broken and the federal reserve lowers interest rates and reverts it on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, you know, the further end of the curve is finally kind of matching up. It, it, it's, it's a lot of it is kind of the same, um, same effect, cause and effect. So yeah. take that way you want to, if you want to believe any of this, what does the reversion mean? Well, it would mean that maybe if there is going to be a recession, mm-hmm. maybe not a deep recession, maybe just bumpy landing yeah. of sorts that I don't even want to qualify it, yeah. but the, the thing, the, 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 whatever the thing is that we've all been maybe waiting for, which maybe we never get, but whatever the thing may be, yeah. you know, whatever form it may be on the doorstep, you know, a couple months. Yeah. I, maybe, I, like maybe it's just, it, it, but then it's like everything, the base cases are so different, you know, everything is, is rejiggered. And so, yeah. you know, maybe you know, the, it could the, be past, it, it, it could be worse. It can mean nothing because, you know, the, the pandemic just shook everything up to where yeah. signals of the past and indicators just don't tell us what we think that they are. So mm-hmm. we could be reading into it too long, too much. Yeah. But if you know, we do believe that, okay, 18 months later, it, and now we're, we're reverting, yeah. we would be on track to that. Okay. So it's hard to say that, like, you know, without knowing the, what the next Yeah, it certainly, it certainly looks like, well, within the pattern, like, it, like, yeah, looking at that graph, didn't it didn't look like... Like we're in an abnormal period. Like it has been. And there's a couple of months, like it reverts and then yeah. like, it's like a month or two later. And then, yeah. And, and um, and we, we, we've been talking about this period in time for, uh, I don't know, what, six, eight months to a year mm-hmm. of, you know, potential catalysts, not really knowing what the details are, but yeah, you know, there's enough, you know, um, smoke in this time period. Where you know it's a you know cause cause for concern. Well, and and again to come back to this hope question, you know, I was talking beforehand. I was like, well, you know, people got to snap out of it. And yeah. is recession going to be the thing that snaps the market out of it? And it's like, oh, I can't. I you know where they look like an idiot for for bringing it to market at the prices that they do, because everyone's hurting so much. And 
then if they don't get ahead of that, that's, that's what we were. And I, man, I've been saying this for a year, but what is going to shock these people that they think that, oh man, the next few months are really going to be horrible and I can't survive it. Yeah. And a recession would, would seem to bring a lot of yeah, those conditions. It would, be kicking every, it would be kicking a lot of people while they were down and they'd just be like, people would just give up and yeah. they'd just throw in the towel. I maybe perhaps. Yeah. All, and that, and, and that's why I, like, I don't want, I, cause I think recession would be bad for everyone if it's, yeah, it, it will allow some opportunities to come up, but yeah. the costs of those opportunities would be a lot worse than let's, then I'm uh, hoping yeah. it's like. I'd much rather, ju- I'd much rather just interest everything normalize and interest rates you know you know come down a little bit and cap yeah. rates um you know maybe expand a little just a little bit mm-hmm. everything makes sense and, and you know and there's not as much pain we keep going and no one loses their jobs and no one loses their deals just yeah. even people don't make as much money as they did on some of them like that would be that 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 would be that would be awesome mm-hmm. i don't think that's really going to happen yeah yeah well, unfortunately i think there is going to be some pains people lose their deals or people are going to go out of business and and the fact so, and the, you know, the fact that we're talking about this and I said, you know, it, it's probably helping in, in other lines of work too, yeah. that are, you know, relying on these low interest rates for whatever reason, maybe to even make payroll. Um, it is, you know, this continued pressure and I, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking how long, how long can it last? And, yeah. and to think that it could last a whole nother year then. uh, then something's got to give. And that could be the real catalyst is just like, all right, you know, it's not like a housing crisis or, you know, it, it may not start in one sector and bleed over to everything. It just may be a general, like a, a general slump that everyone feels. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, to repeat myself, that is something that I have, you know, maybe it's own, uh, my own personal bias or maybe I'm getting algorithmed or whatever, but I've noticed discussion of the possibility of recession uh, a lot more in the past week or two, and it seems to be more compelling of a discussion than it was at the beginning well, of the year. There were a lot of people well, talking about it. I didn't in, in, but three, I didn't again, it again, we're on the, the three, four week cycle, man. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, literally, true. I mean, everyone a couple of weeks ago were pretty certain, including, you know, we were talking about like, you mm-hmm. know, okay, if nothing else happens, you know, you know, 10 years probably going to keep, you know, sliding down and yeah. maybe it'll be, a, you know, we were, people were thinking like three and a half was like, totally reasonable, you know, place a 10 year treasury might be at the end of the year. And mm-hmm. people were seriously saying like, well, you know, for a long time, you know, the Federal Reserve will start lowering the Fed funds rate. Now yeah, about a month and a half ago, people were like, nah, it's not going to happen this year. But still people were thinking the Fed federal tenure was going to start coming in. But now when it's, you know, marching its way till 5%, yeah. um, and, and certainly Jerome Powell's speech and Jackson Hole and some other comments of, in some other Federal Reserve board members, no, higher for longer, yeah. get ready. Um, you know, maybe that's, maybe spook the market a little bit more, but certainly it's reacting and the market's mm-hmm. speaking and um, we're getting a levels where I think people are um more certain that some things will break what the first things are yeah it's almost like actual bad things have to happen before people can be afraid of more bad things happening yeah and so these comments also have been thinking man so if it's really been three weeks since i've been like oh 10 years higher higher for longer yeah yeah the conference so that like that would you know the hope is being eroded Mm -hmm. and those conversations probably haven't finished over the last three weeks and decisions are being made that time figuring out trying to raise capital talking yeah. to different preferred equity brokers mm-hmm. looking at how can we refine how do we how do we how do we fix this how do we fix this yeah and and then that's we're getting we're getting so, communications from brokers being yeah. like guys get ready 
So I, and this is just a find something that I read and I, for, I forget if it was in one of the articles here or, or elsewhere that was in, find it in the newsletter. Um, but a lot of the speculation is that Q4, you know, it, when it comes to loan maturities and interest rates and, and banks given, you know, letting people off easy, they'll, Q4, they'll probably extend it into Q1. They'll probably say, listen, I don't, I don't want to deal. We can renegotiate this in Q1 when when the sales market is kind of reset and and everything's you know a little bit more fresh and people are more amenable to to finishing things out um but you know we'll we'll let you live along for these pat these next few months yeah so i wonder if that's gonna mostly happen i still don't foresee you know a bunch of wholesale forgivenesses um i also <laughs> i also don't foresee things getting any better in january than they are in october yeah well, so. but would, i mean yeah, certain things came to what well, would I mean? And I, as a student loan borrower, I know when a when a lender grants me a forbearance, it's like, all right, we'll just see your principal raise up. That's yeah. fine with me. They they love that. Have your student loans began begun again? Or uh, I need it. I need to check up again, but I'm assuming so. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I need to get on. Not to whatever let's strike up. Oh no, well, it's it's fine. And, and yeah, yeah. Well, that's another topic that we should. So, cover and, and again, not to get too personal, but is yeah. it like a it's is it like is it is it like not that big of a deal or or is it like nope. this is gonna suck or again i don't no, want to get um, personal for you know and you can imagine how much i make and you can also imagine <laughs> so i've got a lot of loans i and i'm and i make about uh, you know whatever and uh and i still qualify for an income-based repayment plan yeah. And, and I, and I did a little calculator well, and well, don't know to give you, we don't want to give you a raise to Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. That, oh, dang it. I was mad before and after. All right. If you do the math. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's true. Don't give me a raise so I can stay on my income based. Yeah. yeah. Crazy things have <laughs> another way. Yeah. 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 Um, but there are, there are income based repayment plans and, and it is like, it is a pretty decent solution, at least for me. Um, I file separately for my wife so that I can, so that, you okay. know, I can kind of separate it. It's just me. And like, it's not a huge for people. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to pay them off. Great. I'm mad that I can't refine. I, I wasn't never, you know, I'm never yeah. able to refinance them. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, but now it's like, it's just, are they floating rate or are they fixed rate? Oh, good question. I don't know. They decide whatever they want to do. Yeah. Whatever. And I, that's what I, my joke was like, was so they can steal my identity and all right, you get a lot of loans. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you, yeah, yeah. Biden announced another like $9 billion of. Well, and that's another thing too, is like there, that were, there's forgiveness things that are floating around. I think that, and I may have mentioned this before in, in the episode with Addison is the idea that if you're on an income-based repayment plan, that interest may not accrue or <clears throat> there are elements where your principal is not is is not like accruing and getting larger and larger. If you don't make those minimum payments, that's not going to just increase. Yeah. I think that's going to be really meaningful for people and it may blunt the impact of all of these uh student loan borrowers which are I which are really like the target demographic for a lot of apartment communities. Yeah. And so like I think that is a particularly relevant topic um but I but I so like I'm really paying attention to what do what biden does and you know you may have a political and ideological uh stance on it but i'm going to take everything i can get from biden and just so or from any administration i just so kamala runs <laughs> all right all right do we, do we want to end that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fine that's okay. a non-political yeah, statement yeah. that's like a universal thing yeah well <laughs> maybe just, not um i know i think that uh, you know 
that is an unseen factor that I'd love that I'm going to dig into in the in this week is you know I'm sure that a lot plenty of people are talking about it but uh man what if how much of the economy as a whole was buoyed by the absence of student loan banks that's a good question I I, I think at least in the- I, I I don't believe people nice. saved it I think people spent it. oh yeah yeah I, people you're spent a dumb it. recently graduated student yeah 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 I just I mean just taking the average American yeah spending habits yeah it, it, it's it's very clear i think i read one article about people that were uh, that the saving themselves speculated yeah. that they had saved up all this time and they're gonna pay it off now which one person did that in america that you have to write the article about i mean, I mean the the one that's like making so much money they could have probably paid it off anyway yeah yeah you know the yeah, yeah. the one one or two percent um well matt this was a great report um, i want to thank our sponsors great capital Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. If you would like to be a sponsor of the Gray Report newsletter or podcast and YouTube series, you can contact us at Matt at GrayCapitalLLC.com and I will respond personally and we can we can talk about how you want to be featured. Don't give Matt any ideas. <laughs> but if you are a developer or owner of a large multifamily asset valued anywhere between twenty five and one hundred million dollars and you are looking to sell and avoid future pain, click the link below. Get in touch with the Great Capital team. Go to GreatCapitalLLC.com and close in as quick as 30 days. And again, 25 through $100 million total capitalization, ideally in the Midwest. The newer, the better. The better the location, the more interested we will be. But get in touch with us. We can give you a free quote on what we could pay you to take that asset off of your hands in as quick as 30 days want to make sure you check it out and that goes for lenders um anyone who may be uh, in receivership situation let us know we are ready to go dry powder solid as a rock sweet sweet all right thanks for watching the gray report hope you have a great rest of your week great weekend stay warm let's make some really good decisions make sure you're subscribed and we'll see you on the next episode of the Great Report.